you know, everything we do here is um, really for all of us to learn how to grow closer to our, our Lord Jesus Christ and to know God our Father in a deeper way. And it just so happens the title of my message is we want to know the Lord more. And this is our third week. But, you know, it's interesting when you think back about your life, God uses a lot of times people in our lives to really show us that he cares about and, and he's working f- with us and for us. And I remember, uh, I remember when I was working at an aerospace company, and it was probably my, I had been working there five and a half years, and I just transferred out of one department, a janitor department, to in uh, like the materials department. And I was in charge of what they call the corporation yard, and all the junk came in there, all the scrap metal, all the chemicals, everything in there. And, and, and it was when I first um, really uh, met this person that I really would become a, a real like coworker friend when I went into the transportation department. And uh, he was bringing, oh, we had a big fire, and uh, three, three or four motors, Air Force motors had caught fire and burned up all kinds of brand new vehicles, a travel lift, everything was like destroyed. So he was bringing in an old burned out Air Force trailer and he was backing it into a, a spot in the yard. And uh, I just was noticing the skills he had in, in, uh, in the way he whipped that trailer right in and dropped it. And uh, little did I know, within a, just a, another year, I'd start working with this guy. And um, I really, you know, how you start growing in relationship with people, and it's the little things over time that connect you to them, and you begin to have a real care and concern. And I know there's times where we meet different people, and some of you may be working with people right now, and they're just coworkers, but some of you know there's, there's a place that God connects you sometimes with people. And the relationship gets a little deeper. And you know this person, and they know you, and you seem to be able to drop to this level of openness and honesty and that face-to-face interaction that just brings you to a place of deep satisfaction and fulfillment. And uh, over the years, um, about a year and a half later, when I went into transportation, um, I started interacting with this person more and more. And over the years, I, I think of the things that he taught me with his skills. He was a real quiet person. He had come back from Vietnam, and uh, he was a real hard worker. He had different attitudes and stuff like that. But uh, I really built a friendship with this guy, and he was one of the main persons that when we went over the road hauling explosives, we had to have a do in a you know, sleeper. We were in and out of the sleeper. just We couldn't really stop anywhere. It was a person we built this relationship and this trust. And I remember one time our boss wanted to throw someone else in and change up our, our, uh, our connection as driver, co-drivers. And uh, he said, uh, you can't just throw someone in with me. He goes, when I go in that sleeper, I want someone I can trust. And I, that to me was like a real thing that God had showed me too, that we had built this friendship and this trust where he, he, he didn't want to go on the road with someone else. So uh, as we think about just that... Um, I want us to keep growing in our understanding of who God is to us personally. I want us to, to leave here with a little bit more excitement about our pursuit of knowing who the Lord is and growing in our personal relationship. In Psalms 27, verse 8, David is talking to the Lord, and he says, You have said, Seek my face, inquire for, and require my presence as your vital need. It's interesting that David would respond to the Lord and the Lord telling him, and he tells us today to seek his face. 
You know, and I think when we talk about our relationships, you know, when you can have a face-to-face with a friend, you can have eye contact. You know, they're not, like, hiding from you. They're not turning their head. They're not giving you the cold shoulder. You know, when somebody gives you the cold shoulder, they're not looking you in the face. There's something that's going on in their life where they can't face-to-face with you. They, they can't interact with you. They can't connect with you. They're, they're shut down. They're embarrassed. They're withdrawn. But God is asking us to have that face-to-face to inquire for and require his presence. And, you know, we have so many different things going on in our life, and sometimes we can separate our relationship with God because of what we have to do or circumstances or sometimes what we want to do or desires or distractions. But he's telling us through this psalm that we're to inquire for, we're to require his presence. And I don't know if you've ever put a demand on God when you come to prayer or when you get up in the morning and you start your day with the Lord. Are you requiring, are you, are you putting a demand that, God, I must experience your presence today. I have a lot to do. I have a lot of things that uh, are maybe distracting me. I have a lot of concerns, but I require, I require an audience with you. I must experience your presence today. I must have your strength and your wisdom to do what I have to do. And I need your help even not to be distracted because sometimes my problems are so overwhelming in my emotions that all I can think about is my problem or all I can uh, really consider is the distractions my own emotions are bringing to me. Require my presence as your vital need. If we were to identify right now in this moment what our vital needs are, we'd probably all say different things. But David, because of the Lord, was reminding him that his biggest need was himself to be with God, to be with the Lord. My heart says to you, your face or your presence, Lord, will I seek. I will inquire for and require of necessity and on the authority of your word. Again, the word gives us an understanding that God loves us and that we have access to him, especially as Christians through the blood of Jesus, that we have a right because we're his children to know him face to face. Our key verse today is 1 Chronicles 28, 9. David, who had just given that psalm and had walked, as we know through the word of God, had walked in an incredible relationship with God, was passing off the kingdom to his son Solomon. And he was telling him and giving him the, probably the greatest wisdom he could give him. And I think it's for, for us, me and Dory, I think what, we've, what we tell our kids, what we tell Ben and Amy, and what we tell our daughter-in-law, what we pray for them every day, is you have to know the Lord. If, if you don't know anything else, know the Lord. You've got to know Jesus. You've got to get closer to him. You've got to seek his face. No matter what comes to distract you, no matter what comes against you, no matter, even, in, you know what, people are coming to church sometimes, and the enemy is trying to distract them, trying to discourage them. He'll even use people that are not even intentional to distract them from coming in. It's funny because in the last couple of weeks, I've heard a number of people talk about their marriage, talk about um, thoughts and things that have come up that they felt like different people in the church somehow no longer wanted to have interaction and fellowship with them. But when they broke through that by going to the person and talking, they found that it was totally something the enemy was doing in both people. The enemy is very subtle. He knows that if we connect and we stay in a body and we build the relationships that God has for us, 
he knows that we're going to get stronger and we're going to be able to do even more to help other people come into the kingdom and have that relationship with God. So he does want to destroy our relationships. He wants to keep us in that place of hiding and that place of mistrust and distrust. So David's giving his, his son Solomon some advice. And you, Solomon, my son, know the Lord, the God of your father. Have a personal knowledge of him. Be acquainted with. You know, I think sometimes in those relationships that, that are being built, and especially with God, it may start out with an acquaintance. Maybe a little answer to prayer. The Holy Spirit's drawing us, and it starts off in this really light way. But that's just the beginning. God is trying to get us into the deepest relationship possible with him. So be acquainted with him and understand him. We all know, even those of us who are married or have had long-standing relationships, we don't always understand the people that are closest to us. It's a continual process. We are so deep. When you think of how God made us, we are so deep. There are such a capacity in us to know and be known. And think of as we're moving towards eternity and being with God, what is it going to be like to be with someone for eternity and always being caught up and always going deeper and deeper in understanding who God our Father is? Understand Him. Appreciate, heed, and cherish Him. Sometimes we don't appreciate the people around us. Sometimes we, we don't cherish them. Sometimes we're so caught up with other things, we barely have time to recognize that the people closest to us are of great value. And we, we just get distracted. But that's the way God is. He's providing for us constantly. Even in the places that we're waiting for him to answer, we're to cherish him because he is our best friend. He's the one that loves us more than anyone else. Where discernment says, with a blameless heart. How do we do that? The closer we get to God, the light shines in. The truth of God's word exposes any places that he's just wanting to show us. Can we fix ourselves? No. But as the light shines on in our heart, if we see the places that we're not blameless, we confess our sin to him. We ask him to come in and take this area. A lot of times the enemy would get us all afraid and get us feeling guilty when we see something about our heart that's not right and we want to pull away from God. He doesn't want us to hide from him. He is the only one really that we can expose us to him so that really we get the freedom and we get the places of righteousness that he wants to do to restore that place where we don't feel like we're blameless. To have a blameless heart and a willing mind, our mind is something that we have to constantly deal with, especially when it comes to having a relationship with God and knowing the Lord. Because we live in a, in a natural world. It's contradictory to the spiritual world. We can't see him. And so our natural mind doesn't always want us to be willing to go spend some time and pray, spend some time in the Word. Even I myself, this is my big, biggest job, is to study and pray and seek God for, for us and pray over us. There's sometimes I don't want to go pray, and I have to just go do it anyway. I go and I say, God, I'm sorry. I don't feel like I want to talk to you today. You ever get like that with the people closer to you? You know? I don't want to talk to you today. I can remember, you know, dating my wife. The first time he held her hand, that was such an awesome feeling. But there's times when we get upset at each other, and I don't even want to talk to her. It's those places that we have in our humanness and who we are. We're so complex. We're so complicated in knowing God. It's that process that we have to continually work at to bend our will, bend our thinking, 
bend our emotions to like, wait a second, why am I shunning God? Why am I hiding from him? For the Lord searches all the hearts and all the minds and understands all the wanderings of the thoughts. Do you ever get down on yourself because you feel like, man, I, my thoughts are just wandering? So often in prayer, we nod off to sleep or reading our Bible, we read six or seven paragraphs and we say, well, I don't even know what I just read. You know, God understands that we have wandering thoughts and minds. He understands our humanness. He understands how difficult it is that even in our heart's desire to know him and, and to pursue him, we're not always consistent. But he's gracious. He understands us. And so he's going to help us keep connecting to him. If you seek him, inquiring for and of him and requiring him as your first and vital necessity, you will find him. That's a pretty awesome promise, huh? How close are you willing to get to the Lord? I think it's a question we have to ask ourselves. You know, sometimes we're in relationships, we're building relationships. Maybe when you're first started dating someone, you know, you, you have a reserve or you have a guard and you're not sure how close you want to get to someone. You don't, you're not sure if you're willing to go all the way. In, De- in Deuteronomy 34.10, the Lord knew Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I want you to realize today that God through Jesus Christ, has set up this thing for us to know God in the most intimate way, in the most personal way. When you think of God, he is everywhere inside and out of the universe. However, if there is any bounds to the universe, he is far outside of it, and yet he's everywhere in the universe, and he comes to live within our heart. And yet God, who he is, is a spirit, so he is everywhere. But the bright presence of who he is is called the glory of God is like this bright, bright presence that we could not even look at. It is so powerful. Even when they saw Jesus, something about his presence, remember, they fell back when he said, I am. Something about the presence of God, the presence of his power. When Jesus was caught up in the Mount of Transfiguration where he met Moses and Elijah and three of his disciples got to see it, the glory and power of of God was so on Jesus that he was transformed. He was full and illuminated with light. That was a representation of the glory of God, that he is so bright, he is so powerful. It's like maybe you see that picture when they ignite the atomic bomb and you see such an intense light. God is so much more powerful than that, and yet he's everywhere. And so Moses was allowed to see that glory as we read the story Moses was allowed to be on that mountain with God where the bright presence of God was shown him, and he had to hide his face. And God, when he said, I'm going to allow you to see my back parts, it's almost like God was going away in light, and Moses was allowed to just see that, that trail of light behind him. When you think of the story and what we know about Moses being born, being hid because they were killing all the babies because they knew a deliverer was coming. Even that spiritual realm, even the false gods knew that there was someone coming on the scene. And Egyptians, the Pharaoh was so nervous about having some, uh, someone else come to power that he had all those Hebrew babies killed. But we know the story. Moses is kept and sent away in that little basket 
And then the Pharaoh's daughter picks him up. I don't know if we know what he knew all those days growing up. In those 40 years when, you know, here he had risen up in presence and power and he was with those who were in authority in Egypt. But at 40, when he didn't like seeing his brother, one of his brothers uh, treated wrong and he killed those Egyptians, what was in his heart? What was going on? I, saw, I told you last week in Acts 7, Stephen makes a reference that he knew that he was the one that was going to deliver Israel. But we know his efforts were futile and he ended up running to save his life. And so Moses is in this process. Like we mentioned last week also, during this next 40 years when he's just a shepherd, what kind of interactions did he have with God? Was he just in the Jewish religion where he, he had what the, his forefathers had, had spoken about in the hope of, of seeing God or a hope of experiencing God further? What was it like for him to tend those sheep Here's a man that is said in his 80s that he knew God face to face. What kind of transition was going on in his lifelong journey? Just like all of us. Maybe you've gone through those seasons where God has so revealed himself to you. And wow, you think, can it get any better than this? And then maybe now you're in this season where, where is God? What are you doing? I'm so frustrated. Or maybe you're overwhelmed with the problems and circumstances of life. And you wonder, God, have you taken a vacation? Are you still caring about me? And all the promises that I can know you face to face and all the promises that I can know you in your fullness of power, where are you? All of us are like Moses. We're in this process. It says, there arose not a prophet in Israel like Moses. Do you know there's something arising inside of us? If you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, did you know something is rising up within you? Even today, do you know you're growing into another place? Do you know that you're ready for another experience with the Lord? Do you know God's about ready to do something suddenly, like Bruce said a couple weeks ago? That in one moment, To the next, there can be an incredible transformation. There can be changes, supernatural experiences with God that bring us to a whole nother level and expectation. Here's a little definition of know and new. To know means ability. We have a capacity. We have a God-given capacity to know God, and it's unlimited. We have the ability to know God in our human spirit that's reborn through Jesus Christ. We can acknowledge God and know he's an acquaintance we have and someone we can grow closer to. There's an awareness. There's a God consciousness in us to become known and to know him. We know we're cared for. We know we're chosen because the word of God tells us. We can be clearly understood just like God wants to help us to more clearly understand him. Only God really understands us like no one else. He understands us far beyond what we even think we know about ourselves and how patient the Lord is to give us time to come around. I think we'd all say we're all coming around. How many would say, I'm coming around? 
I'm, I'm growing in, in knowing who this God is. I'm not the same person I was even when I came in the building today. Experiences, all part of being known and to know or someone who knew us. Experiences, many help us to know him. Familiar friend is to know that we know the word of God tells us that God calls us his friends and we know different people in the Bible like Abraham, Moses, that God called a friend. But in our understanding of what a friend is and how we know friends, sometimes we might wonder, Am I really God's friend? Anybody ever wonder that? I've had, am I really your friend? We have such a human understanding of what friendship plays out to be. But as we grow in our knowing who God is, we, we start having a different understanding of what being his friend is. Our goal is to know the Lord as a familiar friend. And then the definition of the word face. The face as part that turns it's the countenance. It's the place where we inquire or have favor. It's the forefront of presence. And like in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, the showbread, which was this bread that they made, but it represented the presence of God, substance, something that gives life, something that gets nourishment, something that satisfies Moses, last week we just talked for a brief moment about the burning bush. We talked about that being an attraction and that God didn't really reveal himself until Moses turned aside. In Exodus 3.3 it says, And Moses said, I will turn, now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Again, think of the pro- progression of Moses' life. He's now 80 years old. He turns aside to see this bush, but in turning, his whole life began to change. He was no longer a shepherd of flocks. He encountered God. He had an experience that began a a journey that was, I mean, it was an impossible journey when you think about for one man to be involved with. He goes and begins to uh, move into this place where incredible miracles took place. In Exodus 3, 6, the Lord said to Moses, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Can you imagine? Okay, he did not set this up, but all of a sudden on this one day, I wonder if he ever thought back how he started that day. It was like a day he had spent many, many times in those 40 years in the desert being with sheep, taking him out for grass, and yet experiencing God. And now he had to hide his face. I pray that we would all have a fresh experience, that we would be so in awe of him, that we would bow our heads and we would humble ourselves in the awe of God's presence. It is when we feel the presence of God like that, that we know what the fear of God is. It's not a a negative kind of fear, but it's a fear because it's an awe that, wow, I am in this presence of the God who created the universe, but he's taking time to interact with me. He's revealing himself to me. 
after that encounter, after that experience, Moses' whole life changes. He's now a servant of God. He's now going to do God's business, and he's, God is sending him back to Egypt to set those people free. He confronts Moses. You know, working close to God is being obedient to what his will is. It's aligning ourselves to things that maybe before we kind of like just let slip by, but there's just this awesome thing when we experience God. When we know him in another level, when we know him in a deeper way, that we make some adjustments, we make some corrections, and we do things differently. We're, we're more quickly apt to be obedient to what he's asking us to do. We even push past fears and apprehensions because there's just such, such an ability of what we're experiencing and knowing God that we must obey. It's almost like we, we can't do anything else but obey. To do anything else would be, we'd be missing out because we have been caught up in this relationship with this person that, that no one can match, no other thing. And so we see Moses starting down this road. Can you imagine uh, the miracles that start happening? When he starts bringing the judgments on all the gods, all the false gods that, um, that Pharaoh and the Egyptians were following after, God judges every one of them. He strips them of all these false idols and these false gods that they worshipped and gave attention to. And one by one, you know, incredible miracles were happening. And even the people of, of Israel, even the children of Israel began to be protected from the judgments that God was bringing on the Egyptians so that he could set those people free and let them go. But can you imagine how Moses is tracking with God? I would imagine the way God was doing the miracles and the fear of God that was coming on the Egyptians, even though Pharaoh's heart kept getting harder and harder, can you imagine the faith that was going on in Moses' life? This God that is talking to him, and he's carrying out what God says, and those things are all happening. And then what about getting to the Red Sea? I mean, the death angel passes over, and now they're all leaving Egypt. But what about getting to the Red Sea and seeing it part? I'm telling you, God has miracles for you guys, you girls. God has miracles for you, but you've got to keep connecting and pressing in to know him. You have to be considering, am I being obedient to you? Holy Spirit, talk to God like this. Holy Spirit, if I am not walking in obedience, will you please clarify? I want to be more and more clear in my life that I am obeying you because I want to experience you. I want to know you in the fullness of your power and the fullness of your presence. There is nothing like walking in God, with God. There is nothing like knowing the power of, his, of the Holy Spirit, working with us and going before us. To be able to even speak a, a testimony or share the gospel with someone and see the life change that comes over them, to pray for a person, to lead them in the sinner's prayer, and to see the transformation come over their life, it's an incredible thing. It's a miracle thing. And you, we know, and you'll know it is God that's doing it. In Exodus 33, 7-11, Moses, the friend of God. Moses took his tent. Now, a lot of this happened here. A lot has happened when, when this verse is, is starting here. The children of Israel have uh, said that they were going to obey the commandments. Moses has gone up on the mountain for 40 days, and he, he came back with the Ten Commandments, and they had, they had already blown everything that they said they were going to keep. He throws down the Ten Commandments. They break. They grind up the golden calf, and uh, the people are, are in the fear of God. Moses is going to go back on the mountain, and the first time he went up, the mountain was so shaking and quaking and there was fire and smoke. I don't think I would have walked up that mountain if I was Moses. 
But what was it? Moses' encounter, this ongoing thing going on with Moses, that he put aside all of his emotions and all of his fears. He wanted to be in the presence of God. He wanted to know the Lord. And so to be up in the presence of God and be sustained for 40 days, to get tablets and to commune with God and bring back tablets of now people could know what God wanted from them. He could know the standards and values that they could live and have this relationship with God. So he brings them back and boom, it's, it's all messed up. And yet what does Moses do? He goes back again to the mountain and he spends another 40 days getting those tablets rewritten. What is it about Moses? Are, are you so just enslaved to this uh, drawing and being drawn to God that you spend another 40 days on the mountain and you're not eating? It's hard for us to understand and believe what was going on. But it is all there for us also. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp from far, far from the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whoever we hang around, we start reflecting. We all know that. We hang around people. We start picking up their mannerisms. Moses is coming back off the mountain full of the presence of God. So it was whenever Moses went out of the tabernacle that all the people rose and such man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of the cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar in the cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man at his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Face to face, in the presence, openly interacting with God, opposite the face of God, up close and personal with the Lord. In Exodus 34, 29-35, Now it was so, when Moses came down from Sinai, and the two tablets of stone were in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone white as he, as he talked with him. So when Aaron and, his, and the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked with them, after all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them his, as commands all that the Lord had spoken with him on Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. And whatever the children of Israel saw, whenever they saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went to speak to him again. That's incredible, huh? That same glory comes on us when we spend our time with the Lord. I've seen people after they've been with the Lord, their, li- their eyes are like almost like super lit by the presence of God. That's what we're invited into, to be in the presence of God. In 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 10, it talks about the old way. 
where people were given the Ten Commandments and they didn't have the power in their old life to keep. The old way with the laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God. Even though the brightness was already fading away, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that it is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that he is giving life? It is the old way which brings condemnation. It was glorious. How much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all, with the overwhelming glory of the new way. That's saying that we have an unlimited potential to experience the glory of God and to know him intimately. But what are we doing? Are we taking advantage of this great opportunity? In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Paul said, For now we are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim, blurred reflection of the reality as in a riddle or an enigma. But when and then... When perfection comes, we shall see in reality and face to face. Now I know in part imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. What a promise. In my final scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.18, We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And as Moses was transformed, revealing whose presence he had been in, we also are being transformed and filled with God's radiant presence every time we gather and every time we pray and every time we get into the Word of God, we're allowing the glory of God to reign in us. Will you stand with me? We're, it's 12 o'clock. We're going to have the altars open. If you want prayer, come and people will pray with you. I'm going to pray, and then you are free to do whatever you want to do. Lord, we just come to you right now, and God, we thank you that you've given this open opportunity for us to know you. It's through the blood of your son, Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that all of us would just be drawing closer to you. Help us to clearly recognize even more and be more sensitive in our heart to hear your voice, to hear your call to us. God, help us all to keep getting closer to you. Keep revealing yourself, God. I pray that we'd all continue to have great experiences with you, God, that like Moses, continue to draw us closer and cause us to follow you in obedience. God, I pray you bless each one as they go. Let the peace of God, let your face be revealed to them as they go. And in this week, let them be able to pray for others. Let them be able to open their mouths and share with other people the good news. Let them be bridges this week, Father, of your kingdom, that people might come to know you even as they know you. Fill them with the joy of sharing your word in your presence. We pray against the darkness that we resist us. We pray that you would deliver us from evil. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.